The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Hey, I'm just going to, we're going to get to this next video here really quick, uh, really quickly. Um, but anybody else has been blessed by this series, this, this emphasis on being made new? Man, I, I have been so blessed. I am absolutely loving this. Um, and, and it's not because of the videos that we're doing, though that's cool and everything. But like, I just sense a genuineness of, of, of something that God is doing under the surface here. And God's working in people's hearts and lives, isn't he? Right? And, God, like, and, and here's, here's the fun thing is I, I, don't, I don't really believe that this, this concept, this, this idea of, of all things new, this uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 stuff, um, I, I don't believe it's just a sermon series, right? This is not just like something we're doing now and then we'll go on to, you know, Advent next month. Like that, that's not how this works. But I believe God is laying some foundations because every single time that we gather together, every single time that we, that we, we encounter the presence of God, we open the word of God, we come into worship with him. We ought to be coming with a heart that just like, God, here's my stuff. I'm available. Right? This, this, is, this is foundational work that I believe that, that, that God is doing in us. And so we're going we're gonna to watch another video of how God is just continuing to make people new. And I'm excited about it. But I want to I give a little bit of, of backstory even before um, this story, uh, before we hear the story. We got Matt and Carrie Rydberger are sharing the story today. And I want to give a little bit of background. Um, they're going to talk about some, some challenges that, that, that they faced, to, to say the least, and then uh, what God has done since then. But, uh, but you know, I've, I've had the opportunity, the privilege to be able to spend quite a bit of time um, with Matt and Carrie and, and heard a lot of their story. Uh, you're just getting a, a piece of it. But, you know, before, before any of this, before anything they talk about in their video, like, they, they both um, were really, really good people. I mean, good people. They lived good lives. They, they took care of people. They, they uh, you know, Carrie grew up in, or around church things and go to church here and there and, and had this uh, belief that there was a God, but, um, and she'd tell you, but never a relationship with him. She never came to a point where she, like, surrendered her life or yielded her life or committed herself to God, but just that there is a God out there and I'm going to be a good person. Um, Matt, kind of, sort of similar, except his more adult experiences with, with, with God or church was a little bit more like uh, repent or burn you heathen and just uh, naturally didn't really want to identify with that kind of group. And so uh, lived very good, active in the community. Uh, man, love, they got two girls, love their family, and, and yet doing kind of their own thing. Um, living the best life they knew how, and um, without the relationship with Christ or that foundation on God. And so as we get into the story, I wanted to set the stage. That's kind of where they were um, as they begin their story. So we're going to let them tell the rest of it. Uh, hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Carrie. And we've been married for 17 years. And as most marriages go, there's uh, the goods and the bads, and we hope the goods outweigh the bads, but uh, we had a really rough patch um, in our life a couple of years ago. Uh, I had a heart attack at 41, and uh, it was pretty, 
pretty life-changing in the sense of coming home after a heart attack and trying to figure out what this life was all about. And instead of turning, say, to God or uh, to the Bible, I turned to alcohol a lot more than, than I had in the past. And I uh, got into a really deep, dark place, spiraled out of control and, and just a deep, dark depression, something I can't really put into words as much as uh, even today, I can't put into words what I was feeling at that present moment, just darkness, lack of joy, um, lack of passion, stressed, overwhelmed, felt like a different person that I, I didn't even really want to, want to be here. And, and to know that I had a second chance in life to try to equate those two as making sense together didn't. And uh, so I turned to alcohol, turned to a lot of um, ignoring the family, uh, isolating, and it just got really, really rough. And uh, the night before Easter of 2019, um, I had been drinking a lot. I had been taking pills that I had for uh, some conditions and uh, woke up in jail the next morning and found out that I had hurt my wife in front of my kids and, uh, and didn't really know exactly what happened. Um, so we had whew, a lot to work through from that point of just even fathoming a cement floor early in the morning doing breathalyzer tests and wondering why you're there. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. I remember in jail, walking into a room and there were people arguing and fighting and uh, yelling at each other and, and people are yelling at me because I'm crying. And I sat down in this chair and it wasn't even where I was supposed to be at the time. They're telling you, go back to your room. And I just sat down and had no feeling whatsoever. And at that specific moment, when I felt like everything was lost, everything in my entire world, my daughters, my wife, my career, every aspect of, of what I thought at that specific moment was the most important stuff in the world, and some of it was, was completely gone, and I didn't know what was gonna happen from that point. Desperation beyond desperation, drowning it felt. Um, and then in that moment, as clear as if I were to do it to you physically with a blanket, I felt this warmth and this comfort and this peace like I've never, ever felt before in a time when I shouldn't be feeling any of that. When I should feel the most desperate, I felt the most hope. I felt this peace and this joy. Almost when you hear people talk about their death and they and they go to a place of um, euphoria almost. And it was this moment that everything was gonna be okay. And I knew it was beyond me and I knew it wasn't me and it wasn't my thought process. And it, it, was, it wasn't my surroundings, obviously. And I couldn't have called it God at that specific moment, but in retrospect, that was the moment that I really met God. And God was there. And that peace and that warmth and that feeling of, of some sort of hope that this is going to be okay. In that moment, that little seed, I knew it was something beyond me. And that night while I was laying, uh, in jail, in a bed, with a kid above me who stole a bike, and he's crying, and he's yelling, and I remember looking over and I saw blood on my bed sheet, and thinking, this is just, what is going on? And I, I was crying, and I was trying to fall asleep, 
And I remember rolling around in bed and I felt like, once again, as if you were to take me and throw me in the ocean, it was that real. And I felt like I was splashing in the waves and um, I kept reaching up and I kept reaching and I'm half asleep, half awake, so it wasn't a dream state, but I was reaching up and I was trying to grab pieces of wood and debris and I can see above the water every so often. And I kept seeing this hand and this hand was reaching down to me and I kept grabbing for all of the other stuff. And I was grabbing wood and I remember grabbing uh, like floating books and, and things that were just floating in the water and finally, after going under so many times, I reached up and I grabbed the hand and I remember feeling peace at that moment. And then I remember waking up the next morning and there was this new bit about me. Um, and then, you know, as, as it went on, I, I remember thinking that moments of, of judgment of how I could stand here and I could look at all these different people that were in jail, but judgment had disappeared that morning when I woke up and I remember going downstairs and I was sitting with a guy who had built uh, cabinets and I sat with another guy who was homeless and I sat with the kid who stole the bike and we all sat at this table together and they were talking about their families and their life and they were telling me that everything was going to be okay and and how this homeless guy said he was praying for me because he saw me crying the day before and these moments of humanity of it, it felt that God had put these people in my life specifically. Nothing was by chance anymore. Every moment that I felt that there was some sort of reason for that happening. In this time of desperation, sitting at a table eating the most foul breakfast I've ever had, passing it on to whoever else wanted it, but sitting there with these people and realizing that it's gonna be okay. I don't know why I didn't at the time, but now looking back in retrospect, God was there, God was right there with me. And uh, yeah, that was the start of it. So during that time, we were apart and um, we didn't get to talk. And what was going on in my life with the girls was confusing, um, really tough. Being on the outside, also knowing what you were going through, um, judgment, on our whole family and it was just a really rough time trying to explain the girls trying trying to um, sort through everything it was just it was a tough time so Coming out of jail wasn't exactly freedom at that point. Uh, it wasn't the feeling of, great, now this is all over. It was just the beginning. Um, had about a thousand text messages and voicemails, people wondering what the heck I did. And um, it was very public what happened. And so I uh, had a lot of breakdowns in public places in the sense that I just felt this judgment, this strong judgment, this this rawness um, and trying to handle it myself, whatever that meant at the time, when it came to say ego or what do people think of me, always made things worse. It always just escalated uh, the fear 
and the doubt that everything would be okay. There was a lot of unknowns, a lot. It was just kind of a big unknown, but yet there was a underlying feeling of it'll be okay. All of this happened for a reason. God is constantly there doing some amazing things and sometimes not so amazing, but those things are are stepping stones to what's going to happen. So through all the times of not seeing my daughters, not seeing my wife, not having my job anymore, I was fired. A lot of community stuff that I was doing, um, I had lost that. And all of these things that were going on were the deepest, darkest places I could have been. Um, but I was taken out of that. And I was taken out of those moments. And, and I, I remember thinking that um, as long as I'm present with God, I can do this and I don't have to be alone through this process. And my time when I felt the most alone in my entire life was a time I felt not alone at all. Um, but as time went on, um, continued just to be strong in my faith, had a lot of amazing people around me. I know God put these people in my life. Uh, Bo, he uh, brought me to church. Um, there was a message that day that spoke to my heart beyond anything had before. Um, just from that point, being uh, taken in and, and comforted and prayed for and accepted by Crossroads Church and, and meeting Beth and meeting Sean and meeting with Sean every single week and having a cup of coffee and sitting down with him and being able to ask these questions or speak about the things that have happened and getting some sort of understanding and how the pieces just kind of came together. And uh, that was even more of a relationship builder. Then I wanted to learn more. Then I wanted to read more. Then I wanted to you know, dive into the Bible. And any question I had, I had the resources to be able to get some things answered. And this connection just happened uh, between the people that I was meeting and, and with God. Something I remember uh, everybody saying you know, that had faith believed in God, not only were they very forgiving, which was an appeal when everybody was against you, it felt like, but I noticed that was the common thread. Was this true forgiveness, lack of judgment, love that came regardless, and that was really appealing to me. And I started searching those people out, and I found out that the majority of those people all had really strong and I think that, that encouraged me to kind of explore a little more into what is this? I remember a lot of people saying, it's on God's time. Because five months had passed by before we actually got to see each other. I got to see the girls, I got to see Carrie. Got to just be back with my family. Five months when you're tucking your girls in every single night at bedtime, no, you know, you, it's, it was what I would now look back on without God and say that that was impossible. That'd be impossible. That'd be my hell. Um, and it was. There were times when it was the hardest thing that I've ever experienced in my entire life. But there was this depth 
of hope that you can't really explain with words. It was just, it was there. And when people would say, it's on God's timeline, it's not yours. It's his timeline. I heard it so much. And at times I get frustrated. Like, no, you don't get it. No, 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 no. I, I need to see my girls. Like, no, it's on God's timeline. You, gotta, you just gotta accept it. And after being frustrated by the reality of that, it all sunk in and it all made sense. And um, later I heard a story too of a, of a little kid who was watching a butterfly struggle in a cocoon and uh, he went to the cocoon and he cut it open just to try to help the butterfly get out. The butterfly came out, fell to the ground and died. And the butterfly wasn't strong enough to fly yet, but the kid was just trying to help. That there was going to be no one that could cut over my cocoon. I needed to grow. And I knew that the time that was passing was hard. And I knew that not being with my family was hard. And, but that hope, that feeling of this is God's timeline and I'm not going to fight it. And I'm not going to argue with it. It changed, but I always had to go back to remembering that. And there's that constant part of you that's going to be talking and saying, no, 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 wait, no, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's not fair. It's not this. It's not, God's got it under control. But yeah. And so five months passed by and we did get to see each other again. Yeah. And that was pretty amazing. It was awkward and <laughs> weird and I don't even know. You can't even put it in words, really. Um, scary. Strange. Because of the reaction of the girls and, um, you know, we had a therapist in there with us. And it, but it was so amazing to see you and... Um, And then it's been amazing since then to see the growth from both of us, from both or all of us, how much we've grown and how much that experience did to us as a family. As much as it was the worst thing I could have ever imagined in my life, if I were to write it out and someone were to say, write out the worst thing that you could possibly do other than death, I mean, of my family or something like that, just to know that you caused that much pain to so many people in your life that you loved. But then for something this amazing to come from it, it doesn't make sense. It's God. That's the stuff that I've realized is that if it's not making sense most of the time, it's God. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's not coincidence. It's God at work. And us seeing that and watching the transformation and continue to grow as a family, to watch our girls continue to grow in their faith and the people that they're meeting and what they're inspired by and what they're hearing in church and um, and just watching that unfold naturally as a like a authentic way of these girls learning and seeing the power of God and what can happen in a situation that probably should have completely fallen apart and probably should have just burned to the ground and been over with is now stronger than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And that's our entire family. And it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense that any just counseling alone or any alcohol treatment, as I've been sober now for over two and a half years, um, but 
it, it's it's not just that. All that stuff's nice, but it doesn't last forever without God. It just doesn't. It's it's a supplement for true happiness. I think that we've all been able to realize that if we want something that's real and we want something that's authentic and we want to have true hope and continue going down the path for our family, the only way to do that is with God. And it makes a lot of sense when you see it. it makes a lot of sense when you see it in your family and the impossible become possible when the rejection that you thought you'd get from your kids and you got it at first, um, lack of trust, but to be able to build into the person that you couldn't even imagine that you would become, you can't do that on your own. And we haven't done that on our own at all. And I'm sure we could have for a month or two until things would just fall apart again. There was no real foundation other than, you know, whatever we made our foundation be at that moment. But to be able to lean on constant trust and faith and constant trust that God's got got our back through everything. Um, it just inspires you to, to just want to continue. And get better and constantly grow. Matt and Carrie, thank you for your willingness and your vulnerability to share your story. We, we, we truly do appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I loved um, the, the, how hope was a word that continued to, to come up, right? And, and uh, again, of, of all the stories that we've shared, I, I, I had the privilege to kind of have a front row seat in, in kind of the uh, this, uh, this process, uh, with you guys. And, um, one of the things that I thought was so like just amazing and, and is, is, I hope is not missed is that, um, <clears throat> where you're sitting at right now is not because you decided to intellectually seek out God, but that God showed up for you when you, before you had ever even looked for him. And, uh, man, that God's got something for you guys. And I'm excited to continue to watch you guys grow. Um, you know, the, it's been interesting. The last couple of weeks, we, we look at these stories of, of people who, you know, the first couple uh, who, who had some kind of faith, but then recognized uh, that there's still more that needs to be made new, Right? And Jim and Tina's story was that way, and, and, and Bo and Jennifer's story was that way. Um, your guys' story is a little different in, in that it, it came from a place outside of faith. And, and, and you know, I, I understand the majority of the people that are in this room right now and most likely watching online uh, come from some kind of faith. But I, it is such a good reminder, man, that, that God is a God who loves to see lost people found. And, and he pursues, right? Um, you know, I was reminded this week of, of, of a story that most of us are probably very, 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 very familiar with. Um, it's a story that is commonly referred to as the prodigal son, but I think a better title for it is simply the lost son. I, I want to I look at Luke chapter 15. 
Um, because there's, there's something so, so rich in this, not this story, but these stories. Um, you know, just to set it up, Paul or Jesus is, is talking and he's teaching and there's some religious folks who show up and they're like all judgy because he's hanging out with people that, you know, are not good, okay? And uh, they're getting all judgy. And so he tells a story and he says, there's a, there's a guy who had 100 sheep and one runs off and he leaves the 99 to go get the one. And, and the, and the punchline is, guess what? He throws a party. He celebrates and rejoices when he finds the one. Because then there was a lady, there's, there's three consecutive stories. Then he says there's a lady who had 10 coins and she lost one of them and she tore her house apart top to bottom until she found that one, one and then she called her neighbors and they rejoiced and they celebrated because the one was found. And then he tells the story of the lost son. Same story the third time, just this time more detail. And I, I think it's interesting as he says, this one is like, it's not just that a sheep got lost, not just that a coin got lost. This one, the son, he chose to be lost. <laughs> And he runs off, right? Most of you know the story, but here, here, basically there's a dad, there's a family, and you see the, the, the father of the family, he's a wealthy man, he's got a couple of sons, the younger one's like, hey, I want my inheritance now before you die, which that's kind of an insult, isn't it, right? Like, I'd rather you be dead so I could just have your money, that's essentially what he did. So he takes his money, and he runs, and he goes, and it says he blows it all in wild living, and then he, he, he once his money runs out, his, his friends run out, needs to find a job, can't find anything, finds himself feeding pigs, which again, side note, speaking to Jews, it's not just like gross pigs. And he said he was longing to eat the food the pigs were eating, but like these are unclean. This is just the filthiest of filthy situations. And finally, he's like, man, my, my father's servants uh, are, 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 are eating better than I am. Maybe I can be a servant to my father. And so he, he rehearses this speech in his head. Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Um, can I be a servant? And he's rehearsing it. And he comes and he gets half of it out. And the father's like, servant, forget it. Like, he doesn't even address it. He's just like, let's throw a party. And there's this, this theme in, in these three stories, like there's something that is lost. But when the lost is found, all of heaven rejoices. But I think really what it's really going for is what happens next. Is that there's this older son, and this is really where he's getting pointed with the illustration. There's this older son who's out being faithful with what the father has asked him to do. And he's out there, and then all of a sudden he hears the sound of a party. And so he starts to, he sends a messenger, hey, go find out what's going on. He finds out, hey, your younger son has come back, and your dad has, has killed the fatted calf and has thrown a party for him. Like, this is the party of the year. And he's thrown this big party of him. And what does the older son do? He gets mad. And why? Because he didn't get a party. He gets mad. He's like, I, 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 I just want, I just want... How come he gets it? He doesn't deserve it. This isn't fair. <clears throat> and, and I look at this, and, it, and I just think sometimes, maybe this is just me. Sometimes I forget the Father's heart is to rescue the lost, but sometimes I just want to party. Like the, the older brother, like he would have been content just having a party with him and all his older brother friends. Hey, let's get all this other bo older brother types. Let's get together and let's have a good time. Meanwhile, the father says, 
You know what? You know what I want to celebrate? You know what matters to me? You, you know what really ignites life? is when lost things are, are found, when dead things come to life, when old things are made new. We talk a lot about John 10.10 10 around here, don't we? Jesus said, I have come that you'd have life, you'd have it to the fullest. But if you've ever wondered in your Christian life, how come there's no joy? Let me ask you this one. When was the last time you rejoiced over a lost thing being found? This is where the party happens in the Christian life. See, we wonder, we wonder, it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Where do we see the Lord having joy? And just, just to make sure you, you don't think I'm reading into something too much, in the parable of the lost sheep, he says, rejoice with me. And then he says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. In the parable of the lost coin, he says, rejoice with me. And then says, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. In the parable of the lost son, he says, we had to celebrate and be glad. He said, let's have a feast and celebrate. So they began to celebrate. There's this theme that takes place. And I think believers, friends, Christians, there's some of us who we've grown so accustomed to, 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 to putting all of our focus and attention on living the good, faithful, older son life that we've lost the joy of lost things being found. There's angels who rejoice. You know, there was a, there was a, we actually, when, when we filmed this, we, we talked like for the majority of the morning. Okay, so this is just a, a piece of it. But one of the things that Matt had said in, as we were talking, um, he said, I, I think sometimes it's not our job to force Jesus on others. They have to experience Christ on their own, and we just need to be ready to assist them in the process. I love that. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes people need to learn about Jesus, but sometimes... People just need to experience him. Well, let me ask you this. Just, I want you to, just, if you're willing to explore a thought here with me for a moment. What would happen if the younger son would have said, Father, I want the inheritance, I'm out of here. And he takes the inheritance and he leaves his father and then he goes and invests it wisely, builds a few companies, becomes a wealthy businessman and lives happily ever after. What would happen? You know what happened? He would eventually die separated from relationship with his father. There's sometimes, and friends, I, I am convinced in the culture that we live in today, there are wealthy younger brothers doing just fine all over our neighborhoods all over our workplaces, all throughout our extended families who don't really need Jesus because they're comfortable. You know, I spent a lot of time chatting with Matt, and, and honestly, Matt, that, that's where you were, right? Pre-heart attack. Um, honestly, I think, I don't know where your theology is on all this, but I think the heart attack was a gift of God. Um, if not caused by, at least used by. Um, probably when I said that, 
right after the heart attack, <laughs> right? But it set off a course of events that led you to the, to the, the, the bottom, to the pig pen. And sometimes God uses pig pens, doesn't he? But here's what I believe. When Jesus said, before he ascended to heaven, go into all the world and preach good news to everybody. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what I think he was saying? Hey, older brother, go get your younger brother. Hey, it's time to call him home. It's time, it's time to bring them in. You see, sometimes God uses pig pens and sometimes God uses older brothers. But the heart of the matter is this, is we need to understand what makes God's heart beat. We need to understand what is it that makes God party. We love throwing church parties. I do. I love having a good time with older brothers. And there is a time and place for that. But friends, let's never become so comfortable in our own older brother parties that we forget that the heart of God is for those who are not yet in the house. You know, um, There's two things I want to I want us to challenge us with. One, to all the younger brothers. Now, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that everybody in here has this like like riveting, passionate relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> I realize younger brothers come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes the younger brother is has got it all, and it's comfortable. Sometimes a younger brother is living it up with his friends, and sometimes a younger brother is wallowing in the mud. But if you're still far from God, listen here, sometimes the younger brother has a religious flavor. I go to church, and I'm nice. But I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I go to church and I'm nice, but I'm taking what he owes me and running with it. It's time to come home. Don't, don't wait, don't wait for a pig pen experience. I think Matt and Carrie both said, don't wait for a heart attack. And depression and a really bad decision before you're ready to come home. Because this is what happens. You might build a comfortable life for yourself and die isolated from your father what we forget is that our father is not only wealthy, but the ruler of the nations. 
that our inheritance that we have in our Father's home is, is, is greater than anything we could ever build for ourselves in this life. Maybe you're the younger brother and, and truthfully you're wallowing in the, in the pig stuff, longing to eat something of value. Friends, let me tell you, there's one place you're gonna find hope. That theme just kept on coming up in that story, right? That theme kept on coming. You wanna find hope. You find yourself in a place where you feel hopeless, like, like, like you don't know where to turn now. There's one place, there is one place where you're gonna find that and that is in the household of your spiritual father. So to the younger brothers in here today, to the younger brothers watching online, it's time to come home. And I want to speak to the older brothers. And I know that has a negative connotation, but I want, I want, to, I want to shift that here just for our own usage here today. <clears throat> for those who are in the household, where we're doing our father's work, we're about the father's business. Can I, can I just encourage us today? Let's not get caught up in trying to, to, to justify fair. Let's not get caught up in, 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 in trying to, to throw a party for ourselves. Can, can, we, can we learn the heartbeat of God? Like there's a party already going on and you are invited into it. Let's not be too stuck on, 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 on me to miss out on the joy and the celebration of life with Christ, which is essentially go and make disciples. And so this is, this is my call for us today. One, if, if you're a younger brother, it's time to come home. It's time to, to, to turn your life to Jesus. It's time to turn around. And this is what the story says. I know we didn't read it, but this is what the story says. As soon as the father saw the younger brother, the father just ran. You take one step to him, he'll run the rest of the way. I tr Trust me. But older brothers, I'm going to ask that we could do something here today. We all know younger brothers. And I would love it if you and I, every single one in here, that we would go the step beyond the broad and make this a little bit more specific. Can you commit to something with me today? That for the rest of this year, and it'd be great to go beyond that, but hey, we'll just, we'll just start with what we got right in front of us. For the rest of this year, that we would pick one person one person that we'd write their name down we'd, we'd put it in front of us one younger brother one person that is doing their own thing maybe they're messed up in gross sin or maybe they're just living a comfortable life apart from God but that you want to see come into the family of God that you want to celebrate with when their life is made new that you want to, to see them find the hope that, that Matt and, and Carrie spoke of. Can we do that? Can we do that together and say, man, just one. And I'm going to commit to pray and I'm going to commit to look for opportunities. Because there are, there are opportunities that, that, that God gives, doors that will open, that we get to step into and, 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 and assist in that move towards Jesus. Sometimes, especially for those who are really content, it's just prayer. I mean, 
we got to understand the culture that we live in. There's, there's a reason Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we are rich in this world. We're comfortable. And comfort means I don't have needs. And, need, and, and needs and recognizing our own need is one of the catalysts and essential aspects of the gospel. So can we be praying for the one? Because I want to know the joy of Christ. I'll tell you, in everything that I've done in the last two years, hanging out with baby Christians is one, sorry guys, toddler, toddler, it's two, it's two years now, toddler Christians, is one of the joys of my life. I know you're good for it, so I'm going to say it too. Telling stories, Bible stories, to people that, I, like stories that I learned this big, stories to grown adults that I've, like, I've never shared with somebody who's heard it for the first time before, is the funnest thing on the planet. You should try it. It sometimes makes you go, whoa, this Bible's filled with weird stories. That joy is only found in the presence of lost things being found. Dead things coming to life and old things being made new. It's time to shift our attention, church. It's time to get our eyes off ourselves. It's time to look at the world, the younger brothers, are so in need of Jesus and most of them don't even know it. Are we ready? We just sang and we're going to sing again the song Available. Now here's the real question. Here's the real question. Is it true? Are we available? Are we available to actually allow God to use us to reach into the lives of those who are far from him? Are we available to be like our father and chase down the one? You're gonna find a rich life if, you, if that's what you're ready to do. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that you are the God who makes all things new. There's nothing so broken that you can't mend. There's no one so lost that you can't find. There's nothing so dead that you can't breathe life back into. There's no joy greater than being in the presence of our Father newly reunited son and daughter. God, may we taste of your joy. May we celebrate what you celebrate. God, let me just put it straightforward. Help us get over ourselves. And remember that you didn't just die for me die for the world. So Lord, 
here we are, available. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.